Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Stopping your watch on long runs. We have all been there on that group long run. There's a great water stop set up and we pause our watches and gulp down all of the water. But then we start chatting away only to realize it's been three, five, seven, maybe even 10 minutes. And then we have to go back out and continue our run. There may be other times where we stop our watch as well to go to the bathroom or just to get a breather because running long is mentally hard and very physically hard as well. Um, I know my mom sometimes will stop her watch to purchase lemonade during the summer months at Lake Harriet and then she will you know, just take a break, sit down, enjoy that lemonade and continue on her run. There are just so many reasons to stop your watch and we wanted to you know go into the details on this topic and how it may impact your training and just so that you are aware it's more of an informative thing um, because we get this question a lot so I have with me today Jason who is a coach here at run for PRs he has been coaching for over a decade now and he has been running for um, over 20 years himself. He's done several marathons, so definitely done those longer runs where you have to, you know, stop for water or just, you know, pour water <laughs> in your face when you're running. Um, I've done 19 marathons, so I definitely understand the whole logistical part of running and having to get your water and it's such a hot topic for so many people Um, but not even just the water sometimes people will stop to go to the bathroom like we have all been there done that so we just wanted to kind of break it down and talk about this watch stopping and just go into the various reasons why and how it may or may not even impact you So we chatted on this topic before and we by no means are pointing fingers or saying that you can't stop your watch during a run. We just wanted to kind of educate people on what happens physiologically when you stop for, you know, very prolonged periods of times, um, especially for people who have those aggressive time goals. Like, you know, you have to break 3.30 to BQ or you have to go sub three to BQ. Um, those are the people who we're kind of speaking to on this or like if you if you want to break four in the marathon, if you have like these time goals that are really important to you, um, this is where this comes more into play. I think, you know, if, if your goal is more just to finish and to enjoy yourself, um, definitely not as important. But if you start getting really into those time goals, which I know like most runners do, um, it is important to kind of monitor this a little bit and just to understand that it may come into play if you're someone who is stopping your watch for, you know, very prolonged periods. So Jason, I guess uh, you can take it up from here um, in terms of kicking off with the first question. Um, What is the purpose of a long run? Yeah, so the long run, obviously, we all know that 
you know, the general rule of thumb, it's about 20% of your weekly mileage. Um, you know, it could be 15 to 25% depending on how much you run and your goals and all that. But, you know, if you're training for a marathon, you know, typically that run is going to be 90 minutes um, or longer most weekends. And so, you know, your the time you're spending on your feet is obviously so important physio- physiologically for um, kind of what's going on inside the muscles and, and de- delivering the blood flow and increasing capillary production and all that, but also um, keeping your heart rate elevated for, you know, that straight period of whatever it is, two hours, three hours. And, you know, in a marathon, it's going to be, it's going to be above whatever it is for you. And obviously we're all different there, but it's probably going to be 150s, 160s, 170s, up to 180s for most people for the duration of their run. And so, you know, when we do stop during a long run, like you were saying, you know, obviously that allows your heart rate to come back down and, um, kind of regroup and depending on how long you're waiting and then you go run again, it, it's yeah, definitely not, um, you know, the same as just consistently keeping your heart rate stable at the same rate. Um, and uh, I think the reason people do this a lot of times, you know, if you don't really have a time goal, it's, you're not as worried. So you're more out there just kind of getting, getting the mileage in. Obviously, you know, you got to do a long run if you're running a marathon get your body ready for it. And so you're not too, too worried about it. I've even gone to group long runs before where, you know, if, if it, if the purpose is just easy running, just to accumulate the mileage, I'm not as concerned. I may stop for a minute or two at the tent, get some water, grab a snack, whatever, use the port of potty that's there. Um, if it's a long run that I'm kind of a little bit more serious about, like, um, I'm incorporating some, you know, marathon pace work into the long run or something like that. Um, I'm going to, not be as as apt to stopping. I'm going to make sure that I am, you know, either running alone or running with people who are going to help me kind of stay on pace. So it's really about kind of the what you're hoping to get out of each long run, and that may look different from week to week. Right. No, I really like how you were kind of using personal examples, and I guess for me, you know, thinking back because you're someone who's been running for a very long time. When you got into marathoning, you were really fit. You know, you ran sub three your first marathon right off the bat. For me, when I ran my first marathon, I had only been running for, you know, two years very consistently. And um, I can vividly remember my first attempted 20-mile run, which I never even ended up finishing. Um, I thought I was going to die, like actually die. Um, I was running around the lakes. And I, I I did stop after, you know, mile 11. We I got to a point where it's like, the only way I could convince myself to continue was if I did stop to walk every like mile or what I, I don't know. I was in like so much pain or just, just it's hard to exactly remember, but I do know that I had to like actually stop. I, I don't know why, but it was just like, I need to catch my breath. I needed to walk. I needed to mentally recoup, whatever it was. Um, and in, in that time where I was walking, um, of course, or even if I just stopped and stood there or had my water, I would stop my watch, obviously, right? Because you're out there and you don't want to record something that's not you running. So, you know, maybe I was stopping there stretching or whatever. But one thing that I do remember about that, that long run where I was trying to get to 20, I only made it to like 18, 19. uh, I did, I looked at my pace and I was like, you know, I'm running. It was about 8, 8.30, 8.45 pace I maintained. Obviously, I slowed way down at the end, even with my watch stops. But I looked at that pace and I said to myself, yeah, I'm going to run a marathon at this pace, maybe even faster, because that's what they say. They say, you know, with the taper, with all that, you can go a little faster. And so obviously now looking back, I can see so many errors that were going on. You know, this is seven, eight years ago now. 
Um, but what do you think the biggest thing was with my training then? Like, shouldn't I just been going slower? Like, wouldn't that have been the solution to the problem? Because as we all know, I went and I ran my marathon and my average pace for that first marathon was 940 pace for the marathon. I was doing my long runs at 840 pace. And obviously when I started my marathon, like at the marathon, I was like, oh, I'll just go nine minute pace. So why would I have even gone? My goal was to go nine minute pace for the marathon. So it was like I was not training at the right paces. And that's why I had to stop. Um, so, and I think a lot of people, they think they have to run close to marathon pace, you know, within, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds, maybe they're going just 20 seconds slower than marathon pace. But in your experience, you know, you, you've done a lot of marathons. I have too, but I mean, do you run that fast compared to your marathon pace? And if you did, would you have to stop more? Do you think that that's the reason why a lot of people have to take prolonged breaks? Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I can't imagine running. I my PR I think is around like six twenty, six eighteen pace for marathon, and can't imagine trying to start a long run at that pace. Like, I wouldn't make it very far. I'd probably end up trying to come cut it short and come home at like mile thirteen or fourteen. Like, there's no way I could do twenty miles at that pace. Um, so it's it's definitely something to think about. Like, you know, the feeling the need to run marathon pace during long runs. Like, I can't even. I probably only ran a fraction of my miles at that pace during long runs. And it might've only been like maybe the last like three or four miles. If I felt good, I try to hammer it down or it may be a stretch in between, um, you know, like two by two miles or two by three miles at your marathon pace, something like that. But it's, it's never like where I'm just constantly trying to run that pace every long run. I'm usually going a minute per mile slower. Um, you know, average pace, maybe a little faster than that, but not, not by much, maybe 45 seconds at the most. And then, I think that that was probably a mistake that you made. And I think um, you have to think about how long can you even run for without stopping too, if, especially if you're new to the running marathons and you want to run a marathon, let's say you're between four or five hour range. Um, you know, how long have you ran before without stopping? Like, has it been, I don't know, three hours? Has it been, I don't know, uh, eight miles, 12 miles, 15 miles? Like thinking about that and then thinking about like at what pace do you need to be at to continue so maybe you're thinking about slowing down um, and then, you know, I, I adding 30 seconds per mile or whatever it is. And then finding out like, hey, maybe I don't really need to stop and to catch my breath. I can just like stop and walk for a minute. And maybe you could do like, I don't know, like an eight to one or a 10 to one ratio of running to walking, something like that. And just sort of uh, kind of figuring out like what what do you feel good doing? That's I think what it's about. You don't want to finish a long run feeling so gassed. Like you just basically ran a marathon. And I think that's what you had said when you ran, you attempted a 20 miler and you just felt awful. And so I think that that is really the key is finishing feeling like, okay, yeah, I could do, you know, four or five more at this pace or whatever. I I don't think it's, 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 uh, you know, I know it's rare to finish thinking, oh man, I don't know how I could keep going for six or eight more miles. Like that's normal, but you should be able to see yourself continuing for at least like three or four more in a training run. Like that is that needs to happen i know i've done 16 17 mile runs and i'm like oh i don't know i could keep going for you know 10 more miles or nine more miles but i definitely could have made it to 20 you know what i'm saying so that's sort of mindset uh as you go into those long runs 
Yeah, it's so important to get the pacing correct. I know this is about, you know, stopping during your runs or during long runs, but really, you know, one of the causes of you having to stop could be that you're running too fast. And I know a lot of times when we share um, what our current, you know, easy pace is versus race pace, you know, for example, you know, you run, you just ran a 5K, 520 pace, your marathon pace is like 620 pace, you would do your long runs at 720 pace or maybe a little slower. So, you know, your easy run pace um, is going to be two minutes per mile slower than your 5k pace about. So, you know, me, I run a 5k around six minute pace. My easy run pace is going to be eight minute pace, but my marathon pace is going to be closer to seven minute pace. Um, so just knowing like the the science there and understanding like you have to run most of your easy, most of your mileage, 20, 80% of your mileage every week should be that easy pace. And that means a lot of your long runs are going to be at an easy pace. And that's how you actually build the endurance and that aerobic strength is staying in that aerobic zone, keeping it easy. That's how you build the endurance. Um, and I know, you know, the marathon train cycles where I've kept my easy runs, you know, eight, eight thirty pace, you are still able to go out and do your marathon, you know, 720, 730 pace, you are able to do that because of the science behind the training. So it's not just about that weekend long run. You have to take into consideration your weekly mileage, all of the quality workouts during the week. So try to get out of the mindset of, you know, racing your long runs or trying to hit certain paces on your long runs. And this will really help with the need to have to take stops that aren't related to like water. It'll help you cut down on the oh, there's a hill, I can't maintain the pace, I'm going to pause my watch. Because that's the biggest thing we want to, um, you know, shrink down is that time of stopping that's related to feeling like you can't maintain the pace. And I think there's an amount of trust that has to go into this. You know, people always say trust your training. And what that really means is, you know, don't hammer every single long run. Just because your long runs are, you know, at 10-minute pace, does not mean that a marathon day you can't break four. You know, you have to follow the training and train at the right paces and have faith and trust that on, you know, race day, it's going to come together because it will. But as we're talking about all these things, it's important to know, you know, on race day, how are you going to go through those water stops? And that's another thing that comes into mind because we're, we're here, we're talking about paces. Let's say you get the pace right you still have to practice your fueling in your training, right? So me, my marathon PR is 313. I've ran a lot of marathons between 313 and 326. You know, the bulk of, I think like 13 of my 19 marathons have been in that that time zone. Um, Jason, you've ran, you know, 10 marathons. They're all pretty fast too. But I guess the biggest thing is for me, you ha- I had to go into each marathon training cycle and figure out, am I going to walk through my water stops or am I going to run through them? And which one is going to be faster for me? And so Jason, do you like have any sort of experience there? Like, do you ever walk through water stops? At what pace do you usually see people walk through water stops? Is there like a pace where it's like, it might actually make more sense to stop Um, what if they start getting really crowded at the water stops and then how would you train for your race differently if you do plan to stop at water stops versus us blowing through them trying to like 
throw the water in our face and all that. That's a really good point. I, you know, I haven't had to think too much about like what happens if the water stops too crowded, but you know, in my training, I've always tried to, um, kind of mimic what I'm going to do on race day. And that's, I'm going to slow down slightly, but I'm never going to come to a stop. Cause I know that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to add so much time to my overall time if I do this frequently. So every water stop, I need to kind of breeze through and just kind of slide off to the side, grab a cup, keep running while I'm drinking and then dispose it. But it's probably, at, I'm probably slowing down like 10 to 15 seconds per mile. Sometimes I'm really not even slowing down. I don't, at least I don't think I am. For wise, you feel like you're not. Um, but you may be just because you're focusing on something else, right? But I try not to slow down much at all. I've tried to kind of master the, the art of, you know, grabbing the grabbing the cup without infecting anyone around you and, and then um, getting the fuel. But I think um, in my training runs too, it's kind of the same thing. Like I'll maybe leave a water bottle out or something where I can just kind of run by and, and grab it quick from the bush and kind of run with it and drink while I'm running. Um, I know like Coach Ed carries the water in his hand. He likes those. Um, but for me, I've, you know, I've done the water stops, like where I've stopped at a water fountain before at the lake. Cause you know, I knew I needed water. So, you know, I do come to a complete stop, but it's really only for like five to 10 seconds. Like, it's not like I'm standing around for a minute. So that's kind of how I've approached the training. But, um, as far as the racing, like if you know that you're going to probably have to come to a stop, it's obviously faster to try to run through it and slow down slightly. Um, it may be hard for you or a hard concept in the beginning to think about, you know, drinking and swallowing while you're still running. Um, you know, usually you don't care about uh, getting yourself wet or whatever, because half the time it's hot and it feels good and refreshing. Right. But I think that, um, if you are expecting crowds at the water stops, trying, um, to really minimize the amount of time you're stopping, like, or maybe you can run, like stop to make sure like slow way down and then stop to make sure you secure the, the water and the fuel but then kind of move out into open space and then you can try to start running again while you're consuming it. Um, otherwise you can try to just consume it quick and take no more than 10, 15 seconds. But there's a couple different ways you could try it. Um, you know, obviously getting it at the very beginning or at the end of the stop, you take a chance on if you wait till the very end that there may not be any, but um, it's just kind of a, I think it comes with, with experience and with, you know, obviously knowing where those stops are on the course and stuff too. And that helps if you've done the race before. Yeah, I think that was really good, you know, to hear that everyone's different, right? So you might be running through them. So you, you kind of have to train in that way. And I know you do, you know, half marathons leading up to it where, you know, you practice um, trying to drink while run because there's definitely an art to that. Uh, but I also think it's important to to know like your surroundings and kind of are the people around you going to come to a complete stop because that is really going to impact you. Um, so for me, I'm someone who obviously, you know, tries to blow through them, trying to, you know, get the water, keep running. And, you know, when you're running a marathon or a half marathon um, around the times that I normally come in, that's what everyone does. So there's not a lot of crowding at the water stops. Um, when I was pregnant with Chase uh, two and a half, three years ago, I did a couple of half marathons and obviously you progressively get slower during pregnancy. So, you know, I started off, my first half was like 137. Every, everyone obviously still running through the water stops. The next one was like 143. Most people were running through. Then I ran like 144 and it's like, there would maybe be like one or two people that stopped. And then I did a 154. Um, and that is really where people were like, almost everyone stopped to grab their cup and walk. And you had to do what people were doing around you. Um, and I think that's just, you know, core safety and, you know, not trying to, 
you know, running to people and all that stuff. Um, just making sure you know what to expect on race day. So if you're, if you are someone who is planning to run, you know, maybe in that nine minute pace range, um, eight you might encounter, um, that's what people do at water stops. And it just really depends. So there were some people that were still running through them. So it that's why it was almost like, you know, a domino thing. Like you, you had to be really careful. Whereas I've paced my mom to races and half marathons. And it does appear, you know, around that 10, 11, 12 minute pace, most people will stop to walk. So that is important to know. And I think just as runner etiquette to know, like, that's what, how you should practice because you want to be doing what other people are doing around you because you don't want to run into someone or bump someone. So I think to practice that way in your training is really important. So if you're someone who's planning on running a marathon or a half marathon, and it's going to be a crowded course, practice walking through the water stops, you know, so don't, don't try to get, you know, overambitious and, and try to, to run through them. And really, um, you can get through a water stop walking, you know, it can be 20 seconds and you're through it. So just being really efficient in that way and trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um, and I think doing races leading up to your goal race can help you navigate that. But also, you know, setting up a little table near your house and circling it um, for some of your long runs where you have to pick up a cup and figure out the fastest way to do that can really help. Um, I think as you get into more of the eight-minute pace and faster in a race, almost everyone's going to run through the water stop. Um, I do think you do have to be careful um, no matter what pace you're running. You know, even people sometimes who are running, you know, 6.30 pace will come to a complete stop at a water stop out of the blue, out of nowhere, um, because they're they're gas. They hit the wall. And you have to be aware, like, that could happen. And so you, you really, it's like dodging a bullet, right? Like, you don't want to hit anyone. You don't want anyone to get hurt. So it, it's, a, it's a moving target. And I think water stops are very fascinating and definitely part of training that's really important. And I think that's why they set up water stops for elites because not only do they have to have their own special little fuel but it's like it's easier for them to squirt out of a bottle than to have little cups and Mm -hmm. it can just be such a such a mess so I guess in terms of you know the water stops and prepping for race day that's another place where we see a lot of the the stopping so obviously that's why we're talking about this um I know you know you used to work at Lifetime Fitness as a run run coach there and um, a lot of the run coordinators, they set up little water tables and you could stop there and it was really nice. Like you get, you know, Gatorade or you can, and they had it all set up and it's a nice group run. Right. And I've seen other groups do the same thing where you stop and then all of a sudden, like your friends are also stopped there and, and you chat and you start talking. And then all of a sudden, like the watch just is ticking by and you're like, Oh, oops. Like we should get back to running. Cause sometimes it's like you get to the water stop and you see people, that you weren't running with. And so then you, you feel like you have to talk to them and it can, becomes this like socially awkward thing because you don't want to be like the jerk that's like, mm, nope, sorry, not gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to stop and talk to you even though like I haven't seen you in a year or whatever. So how do you like navigate the social awkwardness of that um, if there is any? And is there a time and place where it is okay? Like let's say you're running 15 miles um, easy and e- you're in the middle of marathon training, like, is it okay to stop your watch and talk to someone for five minutes or is it like a huge no-no? <laughs> yeah, you're bringing up some good points here. You, you made me think like if I could go back and do it again, I'd make sure that we only have like pre and post run stations where like it's a bigger table with a big tent and with all the stuff. And then maybe just having like water off to the side during the route, just so that people aren't enticed to stop and socialize during the, the run. But it's, 
is definitely something like you brought up a great point and people do it all the time. You see it almost every weekend. If you go to the, like a busy area in the summer where there's training runs for, for fall marathon lead up um, races. So I think that, um, again, it's going to boil down to like, what are your goals for the race? Are you trying to run a fast time? You know, what's your average pace looking like? Do you care? Um, maybe you're just there just because you like to be active and you, you're not really too concerned about your time. Well, then stopping isn't going to really, I mean, it's not, it's always going to have an effect on your, your race, but if you don't care, then it's not as big of a deal for you. But I definitely would try to limit the stops, um, and plan for, you know, what, when is the time to, to be social? And I think it is before the run and mainly after, you know, after the run. So, um, try to limit during the run as far as when you go come to a water stop and maybe it'd be good practice to just run by, grab the water and go that way. You're not even tempted to stop. Um, because, you know, if you're relying on, on some friends to kind of keep you going at a certain pace. And then that's where I think the other thing is people, sometimes they, they go to these group runs and they, because they want to run with certain people, they will run either too fast or too Mm. slow than what maybe they should be running just to be with the group. And so that's not doing everyone a, a, you know, a good service. It's doing them a disservice actually, if they're running the wrong pace. So, um, just be mindful of how frequently you're attending those and kind of the structure of them to make sure that you're, you're setting yourself up, you know, for the success you're hoping for on race day. That is so key. I think, you know, one of the things that you said was a lot of the times people go to these group runs and you're forced to either run with a group that's too fast or, you know, too slow. Uh, and that was definitely the case for me. And that's part of the reason, you know, I like doing the group runs. I liked the group training. I liked the idea of it in theory until I showed up, right? So we'd show up and they're like, yeah, this is the group for people who run faster than 330 marathon. So I, I'd chit chat with people. Um, and some of them were like, yeah, I run like 325. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like I run 320 uh, at the time. And so we go out, we start our run, and we're running like marathon pace or faster. And I like was, you know, obviously you can sustain that pace if it's your marathon pace. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, this is hard. Like, I don't want to do my whole run at marathon pace. And that wasn't even the purpose of it. So the purpose of that run on that specific day was to run easy. And here you have a group of people that are the same pace as you, maybe even supposedly a little slower, but they're pushing the pace and it can just become this whole like group thing where you're not allowed to slow down. You feel like a jerk and then you bump down to the slower pace group. People there are like four-hour marathoners and they're going the same pace that you normally go. So it's a weird, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to find like your group of people. And if you do have that group that runs the perfect pace for you, like that's great awesome but sometimes i i've seen it happen so many times where you get caught running with the wrong pace group because you want to be social and the the moral of the story bottom line is let's say there's like 10 people that you are running friends with the chances of you being the same ability as them very rare and even if you are the same ability like there's two girls i can think of that you know, a couple summers ago, we would always come in like the same exact time in every single race, 5k, half, marathon, whatever. Well, not the marathon because I'm really bad at that, but <laughs> we would do, we would do a lot of races together and we were very competitive. Um, but then like they train differently than I do for long runs. Like they would do a lot of their long runs at a faster pace than me. So I just think it's so important to, to know that it's not like rude to, to show up at a group run and like run by yourself, like people might think you're kind of weird, but I would just say to them like, Hey, like I have to run slow. Like 
I don't, I'm not feeling it. Or just like, let them know, like you're, you just like go slow on your long runs. Like that's what I did. I eventually got to the point where I was showing up, run by myself. Um, or I'd run with, you know, the slower group, but then, you know, halfway through the run, I'd kind of take off cause I wanted to pick it up a little bit, but it's all about doing your own training. And we don't want you to get in a situation where you end up running too fast, having to take those extra stops. I definitely think, you know, you don't have to take, you know, 10 minute breaks during a, you know, a long run. But if, if you are stopped at a water stop and you're chatting with someone, it's not going to be the end of the world, you know, but keep in mind, like what, what you are doing on that long run. So if it's a long run day where you have like 10 mile tempo in the middle and you just stop to grab some water quick at like mile five of that tempo, um, I would really like wrap it up quick and say, I'll talk to you later. I'm in the middle of a workout. Most people would understand like, oh, she's doing a workout, like, oh, she better go, you know, but if, if you're just doing like another like 12 easy and you're not even like in a marathon training cycle, like who cares, right? Like talk to them, like you're just out there getting, getting the miles in and if it's not a big deal to you and, and you know, it's not going to, you know, impact you or make you crazy, just talk to them. And I think there's like the element of kind of like relaxing, not being so like type A about like, oh my gosh, I have to go, you know, just enjoy yourself. But then also making sure that the reason that you're stopping is because you're actually talking to this person. It's not because you're out of breath um, because you're running too fast, right? So you want to make sure it's the right reason. Um, and then also understanding that there are repercussions. So like if you did decide during your 20 mile long run, the only one that you ever did during your marathon training cycle, that you're going to stop every four miles for 10 to 15 minutes and your heart rate drops down to, you know, 98 beats per minute. Um, that actually physiologically is not going to give the same benefits as doing a sustained effort for, you know, two and a half, three hours at the aerobic heart rate. So anytime your heart rate's dipping low and then coming back up, it's just not exactly the same as a continuous effort at an aerobic zone. So I guess that's another reason, um, to, to keep that in mind, um, with the heart rate thing. Uh, other reasons for stopping. I think, you know, we kind of talked about the main one here, you know, group runs and and being overtired and having to take the, you know, walking breaks or whatever. But there's two more that are almost like unavoidable, like you can't control. The first one being like stoplights, traffic and cars. And the second one being porta potty, like if you got to go. So what do you do in those cases personally? And how, you know, strict or how, what do you do? You know, you can't avoid those things. Do you let your watch run or I mean, like, what do you do? Yeah, it's a good point. If I'm doing, you know, if I want a quality long run where I'm doing like a workout or something, I'm going to avoid a route where I know I might have to stop. Um, but typically if it's during the easy part of a long run, I'm not too worried stopping at a stoplight or a stop sign for, you know, 10 seconds up to 40 seconds or whatever it might be. Um, you know, as long as that's not frequent, if it's one or two or three stops for your long run, that's fine. But if it's like so many, then you might want to think about a new route. Cause obviously that's not good to keep doing that. But, um, you know, as far as porta potties go, you just, you got to take care of it when, when the need arises. And, you know, I, I approach a long training run, like you would a race where you try to get everything out before you start. But if you need to go drain, you're going to try to do so as quickly as you can. Um, and you know, you're probably going to always stop your watch. I'm guessing during your training run, but in the race, you're not going to stop your watch. If you stop at a water stop or stop the, at the porta potty, you have to keep it going, right? Cause you got to know like, what's my official time going to be. So that's another thing to, to think about is, you know, if you had two or three stops, 
um, and you ran, you know, you managed some great pace or whatever during your long run, that doesn't necessarily mean you're in shape to run the pace you were hoping for in your marathon. Um, you know, you got to think about those stops and how your heart rate had a chance to come down, you know, and that sort of thing. So I think just, you know, bathroom is, is its own separate category. Like if you got to go, go, just take care of it. Cause sometimes you'll, you'll get the time back, right? Like if you're struggling, you have to go so bad, that's not comfortable to run through. So take your 45 seconds, hop in there, come back out. Um, and you know, and I think it's normal for us in training runs to stop the watch during those minor stops, but it's just something to think about like, Hey, um, you're not going to get any of that during the races. So Right. That's a really good point. And, you know, the whole traffic thing, like you said, trying to avoid it. For me, you know, I worked downtown Minneapolis for several years and to get to, you know, the trail or the route by the river, you know, you had to stop at like eight stoplights. And if you didn't, you were going to be hit by a stream of cars during rush hour. So it's like for that, it's like, yeah, it was kind of like my warm up. Right. And so I obviously included that as part of, you know, my run and I would stop at every single stoplight. Duh, like there's unavoidable there. Um, but if you looked at my elapsed time and all of my runs every single day, it looked like I had been stopped for like five or six minutes, but it was all kind of at the beginning of my run or then at the end. And I think usually, um, for people who live in, in busy cities, uh, you know, we used to live in a different area where it's like, we had to get past a stoplight or two at the beginning of our run in order to get to a trail or get to an area where there weren't as many stoplights. So I think, you know, obviously you got to be safe. You got to stop. You got to do what makes sense. But again, picking routes where you're not forced to stop. So it would have been foolish of me when I worked downtown to to do my whole run downtown because it's like every block is a stop sign or a stoplight. So it, it makes sense to go down to a river, go down to trails, bike paths, wherever you can where it's made for people to walk, right? So finding those areas and maybe, you know, you live in an area where there's just not a lot around you like that. And we used to live in an area just like that. You know, we lived in suburbs that were very close to the city. And so there was a lot of traffic. It was like every block stop sign stoplights and you had to watch for cars. Um, but so for long runs, we'd usually go to a trail system um, where it was bike paths for, you know, 15 miles. And so, yeah, you might have to, you know, make that a part of your routine once a week if possible um, to get in a run where it's not like stop signs every second. Um, but for me, that that really worked out well because I'm someone where I don't like to jump out in front of cars. And I know every runner kind of has their own comfort level with like how aggressively they will cross the street. But like for me, like I'm not crossing the street unless I have green, unless I have the, you know, pedestrian person that I've ran with people, you know, my husband included, where it's like, they'll just go. And they, they it's not even like they stop. They just like, they just go, man. Like if it, <laughs> like anytime there's even a pedestrian crosswalk, like I don't trust cars. So I think it's just important. You have to do like what's safe. Um, stopping is totally okay. Like Duh, stop your watch. But try to find routes where um, they are safer and you don't have to constantly be like worried. Because I know for me, when I run in those areas where I always have to be watching for cars, um, it's not as enjoyable, you know, higher anxiety. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get hit by a car. But anyways, um, that's totally fine. But the other factor, like you were saying, is the bathroom thing. Um, That's a whole different like beast in itself. Like, for example, I stopped today to go to the bathroom. Really, I hardly do that to go to, like, 
not, you know, you can pee pretty quick, right? Like 10, 20 seconds. That's not a huge deal. But if you have to like go number two on your own, it's like, oh no, like there goes a couple minutes and that's like the worst possible thing. And I know like my watch beeped at me. It said recovery heart rate. And I was like, yep. Cause then you, you start to dip into that. You're not running anymore. So it's basically like not, you know, a continuous elevated heart rate, but you gotta do what you gotta do. You know, nature calls. And I stopped my watch. I have no shame in stopping my watch. I think everyone has like a different comfort level. It's like, it was just an easy run, right? I think for most people, if you're stopping your watch, you're an easy run. It's not the end of the world. Um, Just, I think where people kind of can get caught in that trap is if you're trying to kind of race some of your runs or race your easy runs or hit a certain pace and then justify to yourself like, oh yeah, on race day, I'm going to be able to hit this pace. But in reality, um, the training just didn't show up that way. Uh, but I do think sometimes people like can take this the wrong way. I think, you know, they hear, oh, we're not, I'm not allowed to stop my watch. And for example, they just like never stop it. And they always talk about how they never stop it ever. And they're like, look, I never stop my watch. And it's like, yeah, like that's good. But at the same time, like you don't have to be, no, there's no like watch police. Like no one's going to come in you if you stop your watch to for a minute or two um I know you stop your watch to sometimes get some water or whatever so let's just say someone wants like a rule of thumb because I think most people will stop their watch like for water quick or like to pee whatever um on a long training run you know you're out there for two hours how much of that if you were out there for two hours would you feel comfortable having as time stopped um, for myself or for someone I'm coaching? Cause there might be two different answers. I think for myself, I, I mean, I would try to min- minimize, you know, depending on where I ran, if I know I'm running near a high traffic area, I'll, I'll be okay with like maybe two minutes total. But if I'm by my, if I'm in an area where I really should have no excuse to stop except to get water, then that, it better be under like 45 seconds. Like I'm, I'm talking the elapsed time versus the overall time need to be very close together. Um, you know, even if you have to stop and tie your shoe, that's like 10 to 12 seconds. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you can still allow a couple stops in there and be okay. But the other thing I was thinking about was like, when, when you're in your marathon race, you know, you're, if your goal is not to stop through water stops and stuff, you're not getting a chance to really slow down and stop. So mentally what you're having to do is just, um, fight through the, you know, those, those rough patches of the race and just be like consistently present in the race with your thoughts and with your form and everything and if you're constantly stopping during your long runs that's not necessarily preparing you for that that constant um you know just pace of of what you're you're just continuously running without worrying about stopping um and so you're during your training runs you know you're getting these little mental breaks at least but you're not getting that during your race like you're forced to just kind of keep going and so i think it's good to train that way because again that's going to reflect in uh in a good race because you're used to doing that so you don't always want to be used to giving yourself those little mental breaks either. I know there's physical um, reasons why you shouldn't do it, but more mental reasons that we I didn't think we really talked about. So, um, yeah, I guess for, for athletes that I coach, it kind of like what Victoria said, be, you know, don't be afraid to stop your watch. If you need to use the bathroom, get hydration, whatever, it's fine. A couple minutes is fine. When we start to see like 10, 15 minutes, I think that's when we start to be like, whoa, that's too much stop time. You must have really like stop for some lemonade or stop and talk to a friend or whatever. So, um, I think the, you know, the more minimal amount of stop time, the better. 
Yeah, and my stance on it is a little bit more, like, chill, I guess. Um, For long runs, for me, it's like if I'm doing something with a tempo in it, for me, the important part is to make sure I'm in those tempo miles and I'm not stopping. So that means, like, if I do have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to go before, and I will not stop during my long tempo. Um, It's really important that I treat those... those some of my long runs as like races so I would you know make sure I have enough time in the morning to take care of going to the bathroom and getting my pre-race breakfast and all that stuff um all set and ready to go because you do have to practice like you race to a certain extent but is that every single weekend no I think having them designated on your training plan where like once a month or twice a month, or every other weekend, you're having one where you're really simulating what it's going to be like on race day. But I do think it can be exhausting to be treating every single long run, every single easy run, every single run as that. Um, And even every single workout doesn't need to be like perfect, right? So for me, I pick the ones that I'm going to use as those like simulators as, as a race. But for the rest of them, I just don't really care. Um, I'll focus on just getting the miles in. And if that means stopping for a minute or two for water, like, that's fine. Um, A lot of my long runs for me, you know, if I'm out there for two, two and a half hours, I'm totally okay with five minutes of stop time. Um, Because, you know, if that's five water stops, six water stops, and I'm stopped for 45 seconds every time, there you go, right? And chances are, you know, you might have to stop to go to the bathroom once. So I, I'm totally fine with having five minutes for a two-hour run. But these are on runs where I don't really care about the pace, right? Where if I'm doing like a 16-mile run with, you know, two by five miles at marathon pace, I would hope to have zero stop time in that because I want to use that as, you know, a workout where I'm, I'm focusing on what it's going to be like in the race. So there just is a time and place for it. And I think constantly you don't have to be worried about it. You know, like it, it can take the fun out of it for some people, at least for me, cause I'm really obsessed with numbers. And so if I were to have to actually stop my watch every time I'm like drinking water, cause no one's sitting there handing me a water cup, right? Like if, if someone were like, if my husband were to be outside my house, handing me a water cup, sure, I'll I'll run with my water cup. If he was going to come pick it up down the street, throw it away, you know, so I don't have that luxury of having someone handing me water. So what I have to do is stop my watch, right? So I'm not going to punish myself for, you know, having to stop and get water, right? Or same with going to the bathroom. It's like I had 30 minutes between when I woke up and when I got out the door and I just didn't have enough time to like digest all my water before I ran. So I'm not going to punish myself for having to go to the bathroom. Um, whereas if I'm doing a race simulator run, it's going to be more important to focus. This is how I'm going to approach a race. But I also think it's important to note, you know, I've done races before where I have had to stop to use the bathroom and I was still able to qualify for Boston. I was still able to hit a PR. Um, you can still run really good race and have to stop for bathroom or to walk through water, stop, whatever. There's not a big deal about that. And I think sometimes the the whole principle of not stopping your watch and seeing what happens, you might actually surprise yourself um, that, you know, oh, I, I didn't need to constantly be stopping it. You know, the, the two marathons I have stopped to go to the bathroom, it, I didn't pause my watch, but I know I was only in the bathroom for like 15 seconds. And so when you look at it like that, it's like, 
that's not a lot of time in a full marathon. And so just, just understanding that, give yourself some slack. You know, you don't need to be, you know, there's no watch police coming to get you. Um, but I think it is important to understand the concept and how it, you know, applies to your training and, and making sure you have the opportunities where you are having those race simulating type of runs where you're not stopping your watch and you're giving yourself like an honest test to, to simulate those race day environments. And also make sure you're training at the right paces for your long runs because that's going to be a huge thing. So if you have any questions about this or you want to chat with us a little bit more about this or just your training in general, make sure you're training at the right paces. You can visit our website, www.runforprs.co and fill out our form there, um, chat to a coach. We can even give you a free seven-day trial if you're interested. So thanks for tuning into this episode.